Hi, I'm Princess Rara. And I'm Dara, the Electro Khaleesi. And this is Pink Kink, the podcast where we talk about the pretty, twisted side of kink. Today's episode is produced by our electrifying pink kinksters. Thank you to the ESW, Jay, Tempest, Brianna Lynn, Daddy J, Fabe, Embers, William P, Lady, Claire, Mr. N and Mrs. Jess, Mistress Good Girl, Lady Blooding, John M, Cassie, Primal Empress, Kaze, Harley Gentleman, Roxy, Mistress Francesca, Slut Queenie, Alice Dash, Totoro and Bunnykins, Butte Payne, Cat, Stefan, Brooklyn B, Jam Today, and Run for Cover. Pink Kink runs off the generosity of our devoted patrons. As a patron, you will become a member of our special Discord server, receive some adorable Pink Kink stickers, as well as have access to a monthly behind-the-scenes podcast. In addition, our impactful and electrifying Pink Kinksters will get special audio and video episodes. And finally, Patrons at our highest tier will be recognized as producers both here on the podcast and on our website. If you would like to become a patron, you can visit us at patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast or click the link at pinkkinkpodcast.com. Today, I am very excited because we're talking about a really fascinating topic that started, I think, darged in a conversation that you and I were having about, can you make a living? kink yeah definitely we were like can you can you pro this can you pay the bills yeah well because both you and i do it on some level of pro we get paid for certain things that we do but we can't pay the bills with it no because it's rare right well once we made the decision i knew immediately who i wanted to get as our guest because this person i follow on tiktok and they are amazing. In fact, we I, we were actually discussing you in a Discord chat that I was in earlier today, and we all agreed that every time we watch one of your TikTok videos, we walk away just a little bit smarter. <laughs> so it is with my great pleasure to introduce our guest for this aspect, and this is Veronica Kestrel, otherwise known as Auntie V, and she is a pro switch, which was perfect because we get to cover everything this way. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Uh, thank you, too, for having me on. I appreciate it. Oh, you're it. welcome. I did not know pro switches existed. A lot of people don't. That's 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 pretty common. Most people have no idea that we existed in the first place. You know, pro dom you yeah. hear about. I have heard about pro subbing. I actually had been approached about being a pro sub, but pro switching is perfect. So we'll start with the basics. Why don't you share with us how long you've been involved in BDSM, how you got your start? Okay. Um, well, I have been in kink now, involved in kink, uh, for 14 years. I got started out in Denver when I was 19. Um, we, I was exploring uh, the idea of kink and you know private bre- bedroom practice with a partner that I had out there. And when we had continued to learn and study and collect our toys and want to explore more and more. We said, well, a lot of these things that we wanted to do, like we wanted to try out having a St. Andrew's cross and a spaking bench. So we decided to go visit our local dungeon. And it was 
a lot to learn at first, but uh, it was a very welcoming community. Uh, the Denver Sanctuary was run by a very wonderful and kind person, uh, Winnie Wanglewick. If you're listening, oh, I love you. That's a great name. Uh, <laughs> Yes, Winnie Wango. Yeah, (laughs) super cool. Uh, She's really great. Uh, She runs uh, Denver's Dangerous Theater, which is in the daytime, it is an actual theater. And at night, it is a dungeon. And I went there and and, and we learned everything that we know about the public kink lifestyle uh, from that dungeon and the community that surrounds it. That was very welcoming. A lot of great memories, a lot of really great friends in that community. And as I continued to explore and meet with me and my partner, uh, we went out there to, we went to many different events. We explored a lot of the Denver kink community, different dungeons uh, like the Rack Room. And I even did a little bit of pro work out there very briefly. And then when we eventually moved out here, it kind of dropped off for a bit, but it picked back up after I was out on my own again and I got reinvolved out here. And so it's been a wonderful journey. It's been a really, really important journey for me as well. Awesome. Like, Well, how did you get involved in going from just at a dungeon or just in a bedroom just for yourself to being pro? Well, that's the thing is that it's kind of felt vocational. You know, when you have you have that moment where you're doing something for the first time or you've been doing something for a while and you you reach that point where you realize this is me. This is who I am. This is what I'm good at. And you recognize that the only reason that you think that you can't turn it into a career is because of the stigma that might surround it or because of expectations that you have or that have been thrust upon you to do something else. And But when you recognize that your your ability and your proficiencies surround this one thing that you've been passionate with for, I mean, half my life now, I, I started realizing that this is a skill that I have been developing that I can use for my own benefit and for the benefit of those that I interact with. And so when I made that decision, the only thing that was holding me back was being self-conscious, mostly about my appearance. But I had very encouraging friends who told me to try it out and to interview with Mistress Cyan. Uh, and I did. And she hired me on the spot. So and after that, I was I started working the next week. And you were hired. You were hired specifically as a switch. Actually, when I started off at the dungeon, because I didn't have like bona fides, like I didn't have a website, I didn't have, I wasn't established in the local community. I actually started off as a sub, and she does that in mostly to protect the the reputation of the business to make sure that the people who are going to be uh, using implements on clients in live sessions are capable and proficient with the tools that they're meant to be using. Uh, I think it's a really safe biz- way to, to to run your business. I think it's a smart business practice. And so I started off as a sub and I told her I was a switch, but I started off as a sub and moved on to being a switch after I was demonstrated a level of comfort with the dungeon, with the way that the systems are, with the, with the other staff members, and demonstrated that I had the ability to conduct a dominant scene, uh, which I did live in front of her. And uh, since then, I've been working as a switch. <laughs> So you do this full time? No, I don't. Um, the income from this isn't currently enough to replace my day job. And given that my priority is to complete my transition because I am aiming to fully medically transition, I, I need to have a job that has the necessary insurance and that has the, the safeties in place and the income security during the pandemic, especially uh, to fund that and make sure that I have the financial support that I need in order to get through that and through recovery. Because my business and my platforms are rapidly expanding right now, I do expect to eventually be able to replace uh, all of that income and go into working this full time. That's great. I know you work out of sanctuary, right? Do you also do any online pro work? I do. 
I do a lot of online pro work. I'd say the majority of my work is actually online. TikTok, what I've been building on that platform is a sort of kink education, especially uh, made to be specifically accessible to beginners, people who are not, you know, longtime lifestylers. What are the things that you need to know that most people would, uh, most people who have been established in the lifestyle would consider to be, you know, just common sense or common knowledge. That's not actually common knowledge. So I would be doing that education online on TikTok, and that gives people a general idea of what my vibe is and what it is that I'm willing to discuss and and, and, and things to think about and to consider in their own lives. And that has been bringing in a lot of business. People will ask me for consults. Uh, they'll email me or they'll contact me on one of my other platforms and ask for sessions. Will they be asking, hey, how do I best implement this aspect of kink into my existing dynamic. I'd like to seek a dynamic with my existing partner. How do I broach the subject? What should I do to protect myself from these particular arrangements? How do I recover from this form of of trauma? Like, There's so many questions that people don't feel comfortable asking in a public forum. And given that kink-friendly therapists are so rare, like it's, it's hard to bring that in front of someone who will look at you and respond to you as if the things that you're saying make sense and that they're not inherently bad just because, uh, you know, it's got a it's part of a, a, a risque lifestyle. And so I give out a lot of advice for people who do that. But scenes happen as well. I do a lot of business on Night Flirt. I have my OnlyFans page. I'm going to be opening a Just for Fans page pretty soon. Between that and people just hitting me up to do uh, video cam sessions and texting and you know girlfriend experience and things like that. There's a lot of different vectors of my business. But the majority of it is online. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's like not a bad. lot. It sounds like a lot. <laughs> it's it is a lot, and it is a lot of work, especially because you have to be seem like you're personally invested in a scene in the moment that you're in it, and, and make this this person feel like they are your entire world at that moment. But also, especially if it's texting or emailing make that same feeling happen for multiple people at the same time. So there's this this idea that you have to be able to create that personal connection with your clients because that's what creates repeat business. But at the same time, you can't let them cross boundaries and get too familiar and find ways to, you know, potentially cause harm to you or your platform. And stalk you and stalking stalking is a big problem. Yeah. How the <laughs> hell do you keep track of everything? Uh well, I mean a lot of these platforms will provide notes that you can take on your customers. So like you can access each one of your customers' personal profiles and you, it'll have a little notes tab that you can like down. This is what I know about this person. This is a regular uh, person. This person likes to buy my pantyhose. This person likes to buy shoes. This person wants you to do this or this or this. And so I can build up a profile on each one of my customers and um, and create that level of familiarity that every single time they don't have to reiterate what it is that they want. And especially for the more invested customers that that contact me the most, I mean, they get not necessarily preferential treatment, but if you're a regular customer that I'm getting a steady stream of income from, I'm going to know more personal yeah, things about you. And that, that connection will be better. As long as they have a healthy understanding that this is a service that I'm paying, that we're not generating a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. We're not doing, you know, you're not going to come out here and have sex with me. You're not going to, we're not gonna get married or any of this stuff as long as you understand this is a service we're playing together and we're generating a relationship based on that then it can stay healthy and fun and and be pretty intimate within the bounds that are acceptable for the platform and for for what it is that we've agreed on yeah i've seen law and order svu you have to be careful mm -hmm. <laughs> well do 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 either of you think my name is veronica kestrel yeah uh, do you, you think my name is dara <laughs> um, my name is, is definitely Ra not my name is rara but <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, Veronica Kestrel is not and has never been and will never be my name. But more people now know me by that name than will ever know me by my real name. (laughs) So I was going to say, I have actually had to have a conversation with a potential client about, no, I will not be taking my clothes off. No, you will not be touching me in any way. Uh, That's not what this is. This is a service that I am giving. But since I do switch work and and sub work as well, a lot of the, the... scenes that I have do involve removing my clothes. But because it is kind of dysphoric, I actually have an upcharge for taking my panties off. There you go. I I charge extra. Yeah, I'm like, hey, look, if I have to endure, you know, showing another person, you know, down uh, down there, and then if they're going to call attention to that, then you can and you can be respectful, yes, but you're going to pay for me to take the risk to risk dysphoria around you. Wow. Um, Yeah. And I tell them that to their face. I'm like, it's going to cost you more. You want that off? It's going to cost you more. But that makes total sense if you want <laughs> it does if you want to see yeah. just my boobs that would be one price if you want to see the kitty you're gonna have to pay more i mean yeah it absolutely i, I feel like that would be a normal thing the price changes based on how you ask to <gasps> really oh my god so tell I, us about that i guess the nicer you ask the better it is <laughs> okay so so I don't want to. I don't want to use any language that might uh, be alienating to any part of my audience. But if you use a transphobic slur in 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 addressing me, your price goes up twenty dollars. And if you call me a man, then it goes up another twenty dollars. Until the point where, like, if it, depending on how it is that you ask, if you're respectful, I'm like, hey, please, goddess, can I can I see? Uh, can, can I have you remove your panties? I'm like, okay, well then it's thirty bucks. But if you say, well, I'd love to see. Tiesler cock, then it's then it's fifty, and it's you know it's it's more depending on whether or not I have to educate you on how to respectfully address me, because then you got to pay for the emotional labor. I think only going up twenty dollars is actually very kind. <laughs> oh yeah, I am I'm, I am a generous goddess for, for sure. So that that kind of leads actually is like what kind of scenes do you typically do? Because one of the things that I find interesting is that we call them pro dom and pro sub versus bottom and top yes uh well bottom and top uh implies a kind of different energy i i find that yes topping technically it means that you are the person that is administering the scene administering the punishment things like that but you could be submissive and topping and you could be dominant and sub and and bottoming Mm, okay for example if you are doing like you've heard of jack off instruction videos where the top is sitting there telling uh, the client how to jerk off right that's absolutely a thing that happens but let's say it was a fantasy that i'm on a video and i'm sitting there telling you specifically how to fuck me right technically i am bottoming I, i am in the fantasy i am being penetrated i've got a toy i've got something like that but when i'm the one giving the instructions i am still dominating the scene it establishes that now there's no sex that happens in my in-person play obviously but we say dom and we say sub because it it implies the energy that's being brought into the scene who is in control how are you socially interacting with each other what are the power dynamics at play in the in the scene and when i'm a submissive it means that i am deferring to your authority in the scene within the boundaries that have been negotiated and when i'm a dominant it's the other way around sometimes people specifically hire a switch that they can experience both during the course of a scene so it's good to be that person how good are you at switching in the middle of a scene because rara and i've had this debate i'm the best in the industry i'm the best as ever was i'm a goat I have no I'm doubt. Kidding. No, I, I honestly, I have nothing to compare it to. Like, I, I'm not, I don't get hired to do cameo scenes very often uh, with other girls. So I honestly couldn't compare myself to them, but I'm quite proficient at it. It's not hard. 
I find that especially, I, I had a client recently where he wanted me to switch back and forth four times, which was a little bit uh, jarring because he wanted me to be in control and, uh, you know, be a you know a total bitch and just go in on him. And then he then wanted to be able to turn the tables on me and then for me to sub, but then for me to kind of do a reversal and punish him again. And like, so the back and forth was part of the play. Being a switch was the form of play. Now, granted, as I've said before, the core of my kinky self, it lies within my submission. It's where I find the most meaning personally. So it's easy for me to switch into that mindset. It's easier for me to switch that way. It's harder for me to switch the other way, but it's not that hard. I, I, I don't have a problem switching in the middle of a scene at all. I just need to know what the, where, where the transition is supposed to be so that, you know, it can make it make sense in context. I'm a bit of a storyteller. What can I say? <laughs> what type of person typically seeks out your services? Do you find there's similarities between those that seek out you as a dom versus a sub, or are they totally different? Well, okay. So the profile of the person that would go out to hire me specifically is varies wildly, like wildly. Some people are there because they understand that I've been developing my technique for a long time. Uh, they read what I wrote and they're in there specifically asking for what is it we can do to to experience, you know, your impact play. And I heard you were really good with, with the, the emotional domination, mental domination, getting inside someone's head. Like, yeah, I can do that. People who are interested in specific technique. I love those clients. Those are my favorite because they want me to flex out the skills that I have been purposely practicing for a long time. And then there's people who are, uh, let's let's just say that the trans curious, the ones who don't know what a transgender woman even is, and they're trying to come in and get me to explain that to them. And then I guess thrust it upon them in, in a forceful way to like sate their curiosity. And it's a very strange scene every time. It's really awkward because they, they heavily focus on the, the anatomical differences that they see between between me and, and cisgender women. And it's a very dysphoric scene. And they rarely re do repeat business because the idea is that my body is a fetish to them. And will I take them as clients? Yes, I will take their money and I will charge them a premium for them putting me in such a dysphoric position. It sucks, but it happens. And that's one. That's the second kind. The third are the ones that come to me specifically because I'm a trans woman, but because they believe that I will have a more in-depth understanding of the male psyche. Which is probably worse. <laughs> it certainly feels worse. Uh, they 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 figure. Oh yeah, this person is. They, they figure. Oh, this person is basically a man. Why not? <laughs> would it would it have something to do with growing up to a certain age, being trained to yeah, think like I, a certain I, gender? But to I, be fair, I was socialized as a man. That's true. That's that's one hundred percent true. I was socialized for the majority of my life as a man, and that's fine. The problem is, is that to that I also was socialized as a man, feeling as if it didn't fit. It didn't make sense to me. It never worked. I never felt right in the role. And so to say that I understand it completely and that I can get into your head, it's a non-starter in terms of uh, of an assumption to make. It it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. No, I get that. I'm just trying to think of why somebody would think otherwise, or why they would have that in their brain. It's be probably because they assume that for X amount of years, you thought this way. And then to the majority of the people who do not understand, you decided to change over, which is not the case. But I'm just I'm trying to think in terms of where that mindset could be coming from. That's my guess. That's my theory. 
your guess is good as anyone's, really. The fact is, is that I don't try to concern myself with their reasons because that leads me down a very dysphoric line of thinking. So I try not to concentrate it. I mostly just kind of get them in and out and then try not to think about it too much. More of um, a, give me your money. Go. Yeah, just like, here, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you've saved your curiosity. Please don't come back. <laughs> now, the... Uh, I'm sorry, but if you're going to come to me, celebrate me. You know, I, you're here to to create a t- at least a temporary relationship with me. I don't want that relationship to be a negative one or one in which I feel not objectified for the purpose of kink, but objectified in a social way and then kind of just there to provide you what it is that you want based on assumptions that you've made that I overall disagree with. It's the same reason I'll take sissies as clients, but I won't engage with them personally, which the last kind of client that I get is eggs and closeted trans women which is a lot and you know people who come to me for feminization services they figure oh you know how to feminize someone who looks male which is true and i'm perfectly happy to do that to give them like a moment of just come to me i will help you look like the way that you want to look and i will treat you the way that you want to be treated so just for the hour that we have together you can feel like yourself which ultimately is extremely depressing because it means that they can't be themselves outside of my little room. But at least I can give them what it is that they need for now. And I can always drop really subtle hints and encouragements uh, during the scene that will hopefully plant the seeds that will flower into something more beautiful down the line. I was actually going to ask you, what type is your favorite? And it kind of sounded like the last one was your favorite until you said, and that's super depressing. I was like, <laughs> oh, Damn! <laughs> I, I, I like helping out trans women. And when a trans woman comes to me and wants to play, that's great. Like, uh, other trans women who are out and, uh, out and they're, they're living their best life and they come to me because I'm someone who will understand them, that's fun. And that's great. Um, but when the, the scenes itself that I have with closeted trans women and eggs is, they're fun and they're good and they can get a lot of good work done. And that's, and that's part of the reason why I consider this work to be vocational. But then I have to think, this person, for the other six days and 23 hours of the week... They don't get to be themselves. This is a person who's currently living the hell that I spent decades living in, and they're not out yet, and they are genuinely convinced that they never will get to be. One more question. Sure. Are you saying egg? Yes. Eggs. The heck is an egg? Okay, so <laughs> all my trans, all the trans listeners for your show are currently laughing their asses off. Um, Probably. So egg, egg is slang in the trans community. It's a, it's a, it is a, it is a term of endearment that we use. Uh, for someone who we are pretty sure is a trans woman, but they haven't figured it out yet, we refer to okay. them as eggs. So they're still, so they're still in the shell. Yeah, they have not hatched yet. Hatched, hatched. Yet. <laughs> okay, yes. that's pretty cute, actually. Yeah, I had no idea. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of slang yes. terminology. Um. <laughs> a lot of times when we talk about eggs, we're talking about ourselves in the past tense. So people say, "What's your egg cracking moment?" Like, what was the part where you went from, "Oh yeah, I'm not a trans woman," to uh oh! <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> your whole life cute. And we say, okay, so what was your egg cracking moment? And then people will talk about, well, this was the thing because there is very mo- often an aha moment that leads into your transition, where your life suddenly has this massive shift, and so much of your past starts making sense all at once. And it's it's a very volatile moment mentally for you to go oh shit so that's what all that was and then so much of your past starts getting recontextualized immediately and you'll over the next week you just gradually just constantly start realizing all these things that have been happening your entire life that made no sense that have caused you pain and you start figuring it out really quick so how how do you differ a pro session versus like a personal one 
Okay, so like what besides is the, the getting paid part. Oh, <laughs> but like, do, are your negotiations different? The vetting, Vastly. the aftercare, all of that. Do you do aftercare with your pro sessions? Uh, yeah, the, all of that is very vastly, vastly different. Okay, so the aside from the payment part uh, within pro sessions and and personal sessions, one of the main differences is I don't allow myself to go into sub or dom space. I need to be fully lucid at all times and be focused on the scene, but I also need to be protecting myself at the same time. I'm not allowing myself to become vulnerable. I am acting vulnerable. And this is for self-protection because as uh, we often say, you should never renegotiate a scene during the scene itself because when a submissive has already slipped into subspace, they are extremely suggestible and are more likely to accept whatever it is that you'd like to pile on, even if they wouldn't beforehand. And that's abusive. That is wrong. People should not do that. So if I allow myself to shift into subspace and then the client starts uh, suggesting other activities that I would otherwise have objected to, I might be more amenable to those things, which puts me at risk. And so I don't allow myself to shift into subspace. I keep myself in the moment and on guard, which is what you're supposed to do. They, it's one of the piece of advice is that, uh, pieces of advice that the established people who work at the dungeon will tell you when they're brand new is, don't let yourself go into subspace. Don't do it. Stay lucid the entire time. You need to be monitoring the client. It's for protection. In terms of vetting, the vetting is mostly your quick negotiation section, but that's the reason why we have security on staff, is that you? we have rules in the dungeon to make vetting quicker and easier. We have the rule of three, whereas you can't be restrained and gagged and blindfolded during a scene because you need to be able to have some means of detecting what's going on and sounding the alarm. And so there's only so much they can really get away with. And you can inspect their bag before you go into the scene to make sure there's nothing shysty going on in the bag. But it's it's not usually a concern in terms of what it is that they've brought so much as what it is that they would attempt to do with it during the scene. So that's why you need to have a means of self-protection. There's, a, there's different rules that apply to dungeons, like professional scenes that don't apply to personal scenes for that reason. Because we don't have time to establish a long time. Usually, they'll go into the, the interview room and say, I hey, I have a request for this particular playmate. And you have to go in there and be able to assess the client, negotiate with them, and then decide whether or not you want to take them as a client within two to three minutes, which is a very short amount of time. Hmm. And then, uh, and what, Yeah, that sounds like it moves fast. And then when you're... Is it the same for when you are the dom? Uh, yeah, it's basically the same when you're in the dom. You can tie the client up as much as you want. You can put them in a blindfold, the gag, and a restraint. The idea, you're working for the staff. You're vetted. You are established as someone who's trusted. The client is the one that can't be trusted in the scene. Um, so the, as the dominant, obviously, there are rules for what we can and can't do to the clients. Obviously, you know, there can't be substances involved. There can't be penetrative play. Anything that could be ended in the suffix dash job, uh, you can't do that in a scene. There are those rules, but besides that, we don't typically engage in edge play either, so not typically knives or fire play or breath play. Those aren't typically things that we do either, uh, just for liability reasons, honestly. And then what about aftercare? So aftercare is pretty rare, actually, in professional scenes. A lot of people... Uh, this 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 pissed off TikTok when they found uh, out. I remember like, it well. I was, <laughs> I was part of that joyful... Uh, that was my first controversy. Cool. Not my last, but my first. That was a lot of fun because I was like... Because I mentioned on a video, someone's like, hey, so what happens with aftercare in pro scenes? I'm like, actually, it's pretty rare. Like, we can provide it as part of a scene if you request it beforehand, but you have to negotiate the inclusion of aftercare because most of the staff won't do it. They don't want it because it's very gentle and it's very intimate and they're not up to it. And so they, they won't they won't provide that service. So that's part of negotiations before the scene. But if you are willing to do it, it's part of the time. You don't get bonus time to do aftercare. So you have to work it into the hour or hour and a half that you're paying for. And that comes out of your time. 
It's included in the cost. But you have to find one of the, the people at the dungeon who's willing to provide that for you. I pretty much always engage in aftercare in the scene. If I sub in a lifestyle scene, I need aftercare in a lot of it. I, I allow myself to drop pretty hard when I'm with someone that I feel safe with. And I require a lot, lot, a lot of aftercare afterwards. But as a top, I just ask, I'm like, hey, what are your aftercare needs before we get into this? And I met with a surprising amount of people who say that they don't need aftercare lately. Yeah, that was to me the fascinating thing is I know from the dungeons that I go to, I know from the play parties I hold in my own personal dungeon, those who need aftercare are actually the exception, not the majority. And so to have all these people on TikTok going, oh, you have to do what you have to do. And I'm like, actually go to events. I see so few people ever doing aftercare, at least at the events. I, I know there's, there's there's not a lot of room. Usually it's a it's a really rough environment to do aftercare in, but it is possible. But especially when when play parties are crowded like they have been, it's hard to find the space and especially the quiet that you know, oftentimes need to give that kind of attention. And so some people will do scenes at the dungeon and then arrange aftercare when they get home. This is why I typically seen if I'm going to do a sub scene, I typically do it later in the night. And then when we're done, we clean up and then we'll go get carbs because for <laughs> me, after aftercare includes French fries. And then we go home and we cuddle and we do that kind of thing. Have um, you heard about what Rara needs for aftercare? No. What do you need, Rara? Um, I need what I call lovingly my aftercare salami, which is not a euphemism. It's literally, oh, it's literally literal salami. salami. <laughs> I, I <laughs> actual salami. <laughs> I crave protein. I crave meat. And what would happen is, is we'd have these parties and it was everybody would have to bring food to contribute to the buffet. And everybody would and people would grab somebody would always have the tray with the salami, the cheese and the crackers. So I would grab that because I needed the meat. And then it just became a thing. And I went, I'll just start bringing my own salami to the parties. And now it's become such a thing that I show up at parties and people hand me like gifts of salami. <laughs> going, yeah. Here, I was thinking of you. <laughs> Once it came out in the podcast that Rara needs aftercare salami, every person that does a scene with her at a at a party, like she'll do two or three scenes in a night. Every one of them goes, here's your salami. And then is like, all right, I'm done. I gave her aftercare. Right. <laughs> It's it's ridiculous and hilarious. It's, I didn't know it would mm -hmm. become such a thing, but it's it's yeah, it's a thing now. Right. <laughs> but it would go well with your aftercare French fries. So. Oh my god! Wait a minute. No. Ew. Sorry. I'm gonna yuck y'all's yum. Salami and French fries do not go together. Look, our aftercare snacks are not your aftercare snacks, and that's okay. Do do not pull me into this. I don't <laughs> you, want. I don't want any part but, of this argument. But you can't eat them at the. The, the, the two flavors, they don't go well. That, do you have a lot no. of experience yeah. with those? Are you sure? No. no. You've had salami sure. and french fries often? I may have tried it. <laughs> <laughs> the charcuterie board at your guys' dungeon parties sounds pretty chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> well, as long as, we're as long as we're discussing limits, which apparently Dara has a limit <laughs> of aftercare of salami... <laughs> Salami and French fries yeah. do not go together. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say it right now. 
how do your how do your limits differ between your personal scenes and your professional scenes? Okay, so in a personal scene, I'm open to a lot more because honestly, I do like edge play. Uh, you know, I do like uh, knife play. I do like uh, fire play. I do like breath play. I like some pretty extreme extreme stuff, especially uh, ongoing mental play and hypnosis. For professional scenes, a lot of that you just can't do, and you can't do sexual content during uh, contact during professional scenes either. Which, when I have scenes here at the house, do you think we keep them non-sexual? <laughs> Of course not. Of course not. Uh, and so, so that is a pretty significant difference. But in terms of something that is uh, not like dictated and stipulated by external factors, uh, I'd say that the main difference between uh, the, the limit that I fully don't have as a, as a professional that I do have in my private life is, again, sissy play. I do not engage in sissy play in my personal life at all whatsoever. Interesting. So assuming you have to find your own clients, like your personal clients, not the dungeon clients, right? How do you go about doing that? How do I go about doing what finding clients? Do you just advertise and they come to you? Do you go to events and pass out cards? Yeah, uh, so this is why I will go to DomCon. This is why I go to parties. Uh, all of the staff of the sanctuary gets into all of the sanctuary events for free so that we can get in and establish ourselves and so people can see us and build recognition with us and our skills and we can demonstrate those things that's why i have my custom made floggers and i uh i have my you know all my different implements and things like that and i always get very dressy for there so they can see how i present myself and how i i do all of my techniques you know that i'm willing to do a lot of scenes and i do i typically do a lot of demo scenes uh, at the parties and then at domcon i go there and i network and i network to make mostly to do video content because a lot of people there are doing video content and then i you know i ha- hand out cards and things like that and if people flirt with me in public because i do not like to get flirted with in public and if you hit on me in public it's never going to end in a date however you will get a card <laughs> <laughs> I told the story like this once on my TikTok. Uh, I uh, I was at I went to the Habit because my girlfriend was really into the Habit. She likes it's a burger joint that's out here, and so I went to go to the Habit to pick up a burger for my girlfriend. And and this guy is like freaking out about his phone; it's broken or or just misconfigured or something like that. And he's freaking out, and he's getting to the point where he's being disruptive to the restaurant, and he's like asking everyone to fix his phone. He even asks the staff, which never do that at a restaurant. Uh, he asks the staff to help him fix his phone, and I just go, "Excuse me, I see that you're having a little trouble with your phone." Do you do you need some help? And he goes, yeah. Do you, do you know technology? I'm like, yes, I work in IT. Go ahead and hand me the phone. And he does. And I fix his phone. It was just a settings thing. And I fix his phone. And it's all of a sudden now it works. He's great. He's super happy. And he walks off into the restaurant. I'm like, okay, that was the end of it. Please continue on with your day. Now everyone's no longer disrupted. The peace has been restored. And so he goes and he wanders off. And then right before they call me up for my food and they buzz my little thingy, he comes and he sits down at the table across from me. He goes, so what kind of IT do you work in? I said, oh, I work in robotics, but that's just my day job. He says, oh, so what do you do at night? Are you a spy or something? And I go, <laughs> no. I reach in my vest pocket and I pull out one of my cards from the sanctuary that has my name on the back and my phone number for contacting the dungeon. And I toss it across the table. And these cards don't say dungeon. They don't say BDSM on them. It just says Sanctuary Studios LAX. It has our logo. And then on the back, it just has my name. And it says, for reservations, call this number. And then he looks at the card. He checks out the back. He looks up at me. He goes, and I have my food now. And I turn back to him and he's in for just one more look as I'm about to get out the door. Because, you know, game. And he looks up at me. He says, you can't just, look, you leave, you can't just walk away from me now. Yeah. I said, hell yes, I can. And I leave. <laughs> and I get in the truck and we go. And he never saw me again. I have so many comments on that video going, well, did he show up? No. No, he didn't. You have to understand is that the majority of men who hit on me in public 
are just trying to see how far they can get. Most of them are not going to take the plunge and follow me into this mystery little rabbit hole. And the ones who do are brave and they'll get fun. And I will be, I will entertain them to the best of my ability, but most of them don't chase me down. That's the ones who amazing. do, though. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I if should, you hit I on me like in public, start, you're going to get an ad. I feel All like I should this. start keeping my cards with me and, and yeah. say, oh, I'm this as my day job and put it at night. Mm-hmm. If you if you take <laughs> if you take the time to put yourself together to do your hair to do your makeup and put all your clothes together and go out looking like va va voom that's advertisement and if some someone comes over and expresses interest in the product then you can <laughs> offer it show them where it's available here's my card it's got my OnlyFans it's got my IG it's got my Twitter on the back go and fi- follow me on any of those platforms. <laughs> So you're doing all this stuff. Do you consider yourself under the category of sex worker, even though you're not having sex with clients? Yeah, I think that that's that's a fairly fairly narrow definition of what a sex worker is. I mean, I think that strippers and you know cam performers are sex workers too. If you're on OnlyFans and you're just doing like little boudoir shoots, that's still sex work because. The idea is you're in the industry of seduction and titillation and providing sexual gratification to your audience. That's a sex worker. Is that they're there for you to apply to their sexuality. And so since the work that we do is in that same vein, I would say, yes, absolutely, we are sex workers. And we're treated, honestly, legally, people basically consider us only like a hair above prostitutes if, if there's any difference at all. Which, by the way, no shade to full service girls all that work should be legalized but legally they treat us as if we were providing an illegal service like it's it's a it is a very fine line that we walk and that's why we have to police it so carefully inside the dungeon how do you deal with that stigma honestly i don't give a shit at this point like at first i was mm-hmm. worried but i have partners the, the partners that i have are very supportive of my work i told them going in i'm like look i'm going to be working at the dungeon do you think that you can continue to stay with me if you are if you know that you're dating a sex worker and they go yeah sure of course and that's that's prerequisite for getting into a relationship with me at this point is that i'm not going to hide my life from you i am openly who i am i'm i don't I'm not closeted in public. The Veronica that you see on screen, that's who I am 100% of the time. If the people in my life who are around me support me, I can stand an awful lot of what people are trying to say to me elsewhere. And, you know, the the, the hateful comments that come in, the people who are constantly coming in and, and making transphobic comments or or anti-sex worker comments on my videos and things like that, that is all kind of faded into the background by now. Like, I know it's it's one thing, and it's it's very cliche to say, oh, well, I don't care what people think. But when you've heard the same thing for the hundredth time, and you're just like, really, you can't come up with anything new? It's like it's like that thing It's like that thing where people say switches can't make up their minds. Oh, I hate like, that. Hey. It's like, so, oh, yeah, no, switches can't make up their minds. Well, some big creators, like famous tick- kink talkers are up there going, yeah, oh, yeah, I thought that the switches were going to come, but they can't make up their minds. I'm like, <laughs> I want to make a video where I'm like, hey, why do people just tell the same joke over and over again about switches? Well, because anyone who had the imagination to come up with a new joke is already a switch. Oh, you you need to do that and I will support you. (laughs) And so, like, it gets boring after a while having to just field these requests. It's it's like swatting flies. It's barely an annoyance at this point. Sure, being a sex worker is stigmatized. Absolutely. People will look down on you for telling them what you do for a living. But also, you learn so much about yourself and about the power that you have if you choose to wield it that it bounces off of you. You know the kind of power that you wield over these people, especially 
especially the ones that are throwing the hateful comments at you. Half of them are jealous and the other half are just jealous they can't touch you. There you go. I love it. Well, Veronica, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to your TikTok account. So then hopefully people will follow you because we all we all need a, a little bit of Auntie V in our lives. Trust me on this one. Yep, I'm about to go follow you right now. <laughs> well, thank you. You weren't following me already, Dara. I don't TikTok. I don't social media. So basically, I follow whatever Rara tells me to. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, okay, this is the person she was talking about. I get it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'm I'm glad to have you in the channel and. Uh, Everyone who's uh, everyone who's watching, please do uh, come over, join the channel, uh, follow me on TikTok. The conversations that we have are awesome on our channel. It's a very safe space that we've cre- curated. The audience is fantastic. The environment is fantastic. I try to be as approachable as possible. And if you have questions, I'm happy to answer them. Just ask respectfully. That's all we ask. Or you'll get upcharged. Or you'll get upcharged. <laughs> <laughs> the asshole tax. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. (laughs) All right. So, Dara. Yes. One of the things that I wanted to do as we're talking about professionals in the kink world is speak to somebody who is a professional dominant. Because we have already done a professional sub, a professional switch. So, yeah, stands to reason we should get a pro dom, too. We need to to get it all together. Round it out. And one of my personal favorites is a lovely person from TikTok, because you know how I feel about my TikTok people. I thought you were going to say from Scotland. That's that's what I was well, waiting for. Well, that's for you. I was going to... See, now you've ruined the surprise. I was going to tell you that they are that they are Scottish with the accent that you love. Well, I can... I can delete that part. No, just leave it. <laughs> we, we have our bloopers. It's all I'm, I'm looking at her. It's like, I, I know who it is. <laughs> okay, work with me. Okay, fine. Hi. You know, can't can't get good help these days. Excuse me? <laughs> help? <laughs> yes, I'm asking for help. <sighs> okay, keep going. Anyway, my point <laughs> being, I would like to introduce you to Kat. Hi, Kat. <laughs> Hello. Don't, don't, don't start with me. I'm trying to focus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be one of those. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> so, Kat. You are a professional dominant online only, correct? Yes. How did you get started in all of that? How did you get started in the BDSM and then the pro-doming? Okay, so um, pretty much as soon as I turned 18, um, because I was already interested in kink, I joined an online community, um, unfortunately, in Scotland. We've got like a population of like 5.5 million. The higher up you go, the less frequent people are. And I used to live quite high up and like closer to the highlands. So um, unfortunately, there really wasn't a budding community around me that was safe for me to join um, as a single, young, naive, femme-presenting person. So um, I joined online communities where I could find and vet people easier and happened across a really incredible group um, of people where about 10 or more people in that group had over a decade of experience each in so many different areas of kink. And I was part of that group for about two and a half years and consider a lot of them, you know, mentors, people that I could ask things, learn, and they would provide references or have healthy debates with different ways that they would do things. And it was just a really healthy community to land in myself in, which I was very lucky for. Fast forward to the uh, the COVID scenario after I moved to a better 
city for that. Unfortunately, again, I couldn't join, so um, continued online. And then my ex-partner was like, hey, you send people nudes for free. Why don't you change that and join OnlyFans? I was like, you know what? Let's give this a go. And within my first week, I had someone asking me to dominate them. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. I've been doming my partner for two years at this point. Let's, let's give this a go. And pretty much from then onwards, it took off. It became my niche. It became my area of quote unquote expertise and something I was very well known for online for it. Very cool. Cool story. Cool accent. Cool everything. You're Thank happy. you. I'm very happy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> very, very happy. I love, love, love it. Now, for those who might not know, you are younger. And I say that as an older person. So to me, everybody's younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 24. I'm a wee baby. There you go. See? Oh, yeah. We were having that conversation the other day about anybody who's younger than 25 is too young, right? Just just baby, baby young. Well, as I said, I'm old, so to me, everybody's young. Yeah, for you, it's more like 35. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find uh, that either you're a niche because of your age or that you struggle because people don't take you seriously? Oh, I'm definitely a niche because of my age. People like the um, role reversal fuckery of someone a lot younger, um, femme presenting, very sweet baby face. I look very young as well. Taking control and being able to dominate them, that kind of symbolic difference of typical society is, I think, the large appeal of myself. So what kind of scenes do you normally do? Like, What are your typical things that people ask for? I usually select people on what I want to do. Um, I have the luxury of being able to refuse quite a few things that I don't enjoy doing. Mostly I'll do humiliation, degradation, chastity, specification, denial, stuff like that. The stuff I really, really enjoy doing, the stuff that I naturally gravitate to as a dominant. And I also offer kind of like almost caretakery, like caregiver, kind of 24-7 role where it's more of a making sure people are drinking their water, going to the gym taking care of themselves and all that. So it's a wide variety of things I do. I call myself a chameleon dom because of that. (laughs) Very cool. Do you find that now, like, were you able to pick and choose when you first started as much? Or is that a more recent thing? So when I first started, I'm one of the lucky few that was pretty much making a decent income straight away. I've found through a lot of people that I've spoken to, their uptake on starting, especially with OnlyFans, was very slow. And I rose quite quickly. Within six months, I was fully self-employed. So I was fortunately able to pretty much pick and choose what I wanted to do straight away, which is something I recognize as a very good luxury to have. Very nice. Obviously, uh, you you will provide a service that people are very interested in. Yeah. And the fact that (laughs) the the accent helps. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. It's a big request for me to do like custom videos or like audio recordings just because of my voice. There you go. Do you, like bedtime stories and stuff. Oh, I wish. Nah, it's nothing, nothing as PG as that, but I wish it was. That'd be great. <laughs> I'll take that. Let's do it. <laughs> I'll take a bedtime story. Thank you. Do you know, uh, <laughs> can you get Sam Hewen to join you in that? So what type of person do you find that typically seeks you out? So typically it's cis males that will contact me. Generally, when I do my vetting with them, I'll always ask like their identity and stuff like that, how to 
um, refer to them and such, and mostly it's cis males. I've had a few um, people who are feminine identi- uh, identifying, but typically I draw in men. Right. Right, yeah, because you were talking about because the young and the pretty and the baby face. And do you find that those are the ones that mostly go for the role reversal? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've had more than three people under the age of 35 um, contact me for domination and stuff like that. So it's typically the older men for the role reversal of the young, sweet, innocent, sadistic bitch um, (laughs) taking control of them when they should be the one in control and being able to provide for me and blah, blah, blah. Do you find that these people prefer to do something like this online versus in person because maybe they're a little bit more hesitant to show their kinks? I think it's more convenient. Um, A lot of people that I speak to have busy lives. I'm flexible and having this at home setup and doing it over video calls, I can pretty much pick and choose when works for me and them. So it's a it's a lot easier to kind of plan these things. And I'm a lot more flexible for changing as well. So people with family lives or hectic work schedules, I'm typically quite easy to work around, which is, I think, a benefit. Do you have like typical working hours or is it mostly appointment and you're just kind of like all over the place? Um, Well, it depends. A lot of the people that find me are Americans because Americans find my accent more appealing than other Scots. So um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm usually up quite late if I am doing um, sessions with them. Long-term sub that I had, fortunately, he was working at home with COVID. So we would do it on his lunch hour and it was like... 8, 9 p.m. for me, uh, which typically is when I would turn off my computer and stop working. But for them, I made the exception. Um, And sometimes I would be up at like six o'clock in the morning if someone was like from Russia or something. So, oh, wow. Yeah, committed. (laughs) Yeah, because a couple of people we talked to have like set work hours. So I find that very interesting, the opposite end of the scale here. Mm-hmm. Well, she's it, mostly in person. So she had oh, set exactly. work hours. Well, yeah, yeah, in person is different. You don't want to be up at 2 a.m. doing sessions in person. Yeah. Well, no. No, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> so like what kind of content do you do? Do you have – obviously you have these individual sessions. Mm-hmm. Do you also kind of do like generic content for people? Yeah, um, I do a whole – range of different things from femdom content to praise king content to generic sex work as well. Kind of an all-rounder. It just depends on really what I want to do. Um, fortunately, the following that I have, they pretty much enjoy whatever I put out, which I'm very grateful for. And I think having that wide variety of content is something that they enjoy. But a lot of the time, it's more kink-related. What's your favorite that you do kink-wise? Well, that's a good question. Typically, it's more of the chastity content. That's, it gets me going. (laughs) I love it. And it's also my most um, stolen content online from like posting it for advertisement. People take my content and put it elsewhere. So it helps me with advertisement. So clearly, it's good stuff. Free advertisement then, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Free promotion. You know, I know a lot of people, especially with COVID happening, they're all of a sudden going, Oh, well, I could just, you know, join OnlyFans and make a living. I can do this and that. Can you just explain a little bit of just how much work is involved in advertising, building Mm -hmm. up your content, building up your following? Basically, when I started, I had nothing. No Twitter, no Reddit, no TikTok. Absolutely diddly squat. I built up from absolutely nothing. And I was working 14-hour days at home. And I also had a part-time retail job as well and at university. So I was very, very busy. 
was a lot of effort. Sometimes I'd work seven days a week. I'd be up from seven o'clock when my ex-partner would go to work and continue working until like 8, 9 p.m. So it's a lot of hard work. It's not easy. There's a lot of pros and cons you have to weigh up and it's not quick money. For a lot of people, it's not instant cash. People would go weeks without people subscribing. I was one of the lucky few that hit it off well. And I think it's down to the fact that I was very niche. So unless you're doing very specific content, it's difficult to get ahead on it. Somebody who would want to get involved in this, basically, Mm -hmm. would you recommend doing something not generic? Or because I... The way I've always viewed it is if you're doing something niche, it's actually harder because there's so few people that want to get in that like that niche. So what I would say is definitely working on your branding. Like you're selling your personality, yourself, what the aspect of your online persona. So you need to work on that and really get to grips with who you want to be online. When you have that, that's a good start. I would also recommend doing more niche content because people know relatively what you're doing and you build up on that because the people that are coming to your account are only going to really see you unless you do collaborations with people. So they're paying for you. You have to make yourself as appealing as possible to be selected by them to subscribe to you. I've had people subscribe for over a year and a half now. So clearly whatever I'm doing, I'm making myself a likable person, someone that people want to keep investing in. And that's kind of what I would recommend is work on who you are as a person and what you want to project out online, because that could be completely different from who you actually are. But also make sure you don't go too wide or too generic in content, because then you've got so much more competition. There's a lot of people that do a lot of generic porn and they do well, and that's incredible. But a lot of people who can't do that because the market's so saturated. Yeah, I mean, you're basically, you're a product. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that just sounds so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we have the same thing going on with the with the podcast. We are the product, but it just mm-hmm. that actual phrase is like weird in my head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a strange one to get your head around when you are the actual product that you're selling. It is a part of me. The persona is part of who I am and it's putting it out there for monetary value. So it's a it's it's one to think about before you do. Yeah. I mean, do you find because I know when I'm making uh, social media content, I can't necessarily be 100% myself because Mm -hmm. I'm representing the podcast. So as much as like I would see something and I'd love to be able to make a comment saying, you dumbass, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) I I can't because I'm representing the podcast and that gets difficult sometimes. Absolutely. I am known for staying out of controversies. I will not get involved with them because I can't risk my business primarily. And that's how I like to stay. My business is myself. If I get, if I say something wrong, which is why I'll make videos in advance and then sit on them for a few days before I'll post them to make sure that what I've said is something that I'll stand by for a long time is simply because I can't risk my image being correlated with me saying something negative. And I don't want to offend anyone or upset anyone. It's not within my nature. It's not with what I want to do. So it's a, it's a good way of making sure that what I'm putting out there is something A, I agree with and B is is correct information. As someone who's accidentally gotten involved in kerfuffles on social media, I respect that. 
It's so easy to do, though. Like, I completely understand, especially with how customizable and how sometimes on a perspective king can be, people are going to disagree on things. It's just what happens. And unfortunately, not everyone takes it well or has those constructive conversations. And communication is part of kink. So maybe it's something we all need to work on. Well, and it's also understanding that just because I do it differently doesn't mean one of us is right and one of us is wrong. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, one of the biggest things that we say in kink is no alcohol. I have an intoxication kink. Oh, oh, that should make it interesting. (laughs) You're not the first person I've heard that from. Mm -hmm. But it's something we always say online. Don't do drink and drugs before you do anything like that. But you know what? If people want to do that before they kink, that's valid as long as they risk assess beforehand, for example, and they have everyone consenting with informed consent. That's so funny you mentioned that because we will be working on an episode on that very subject. Oh. <laughs> yeah, now I have questions. <laughs> but it's the completely wrong episode for that. So <laughs> just just bring me back. Just bring me back. We'll talk it's to cool. her afterward. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. There we go. All right. Now, one of the things you mentioned earlier is about vetting. Mm-hmm. How do you go about vetting? So I have a charged session in which um, I cap it at an hour. So if we chat for an hour, we chat for three hours, it's capped at the hour mark where I speak to the person over video firstly, so I can see how old they are roughly. And if I need to ask them for formal identification, which typically I will do anyway, unless they're very obviously over the age of 35, 40. I will ask them standard questions of like, what do they expect from a dom? What do they expect from a sub? What do they want out of this? What are their kinks and interests? See if they align with mine. Because quite honestly, if I'm not enjoying what I'm giving, people can tell I'm very easy to read, which is a positive and a negative in this kind of work. But you can see when I really enjoy things and I have a lot of positive interactions with people on things I thrive on. So making sure that I align with them is really important. I ask them about their personal life for like, you know, what do you do for work? Do you have a family? Like how much expendable income do you have to make sure one, that they can afford me and two, they're not going to be having to scrimp and save to afford my services because I don't want to put anyone in debt. And just basically do a general all around standard vetting that you would do with pretty much anyone with the a couple of bits and bobs added in there as well. If you need to tell somebody, no, I'm sorry, I don't think this is going to work. Like, how do you go about doing that? You said your facial expressions pretty much say it for you. But if you had to like explicitly tell somebody. Mm-hmm. So I've had people uh, come to me before and they've had kinks that I really just don't play around with. Um, I, they're either not my space to go into um, or things that I just don't enjoy or things that I've feel like I'm very uncomfortable with. And I have turned around and said, look, unfortunately, I'm not comfortable with these. Your kinks are valid. They're fair. And I'm sure you will be able to find someone else who will be able to service these correctly for you. But that's not me, unfortunately. And I would wish them a very lovely day. Have you ever had to fire a client? Yes. Uh, Mid-scene. Oh. Yeah. I don't like people involving me in dangerous acts without my consent. I tell everyone whilst I'm vetting them, if you do something I disagree with or deem unsafe, we are ending a scene. And if you continue to do it regardless before I'm able to cut it off or whatever, I will not work with you after. And someone decided that they want to do wax play, middle of the scene that we hadn't discussed, with a tea light. I was not okay with that. I was uncomfortable with it. I don't know if it was fragranced. Perfume increases the melting point of candles. I don't know what material it is. 
you know, if it's beeswax, that's a no-no. And the place that he wanted to put it, that's not a place you want to go to A&E for. So, yeah, um, very, very angry in that moment. Pretty much hung up mid-scene, go, yep, we're done. Bye. Oh, yeah. Even (laughs) I know, I don't know a whole lot about wax play, but even I know you don't go with a generic tea light. There's specific Mm -mm. types of candles that you're supposed to use. The Jesus candles are good ones. I've heard. (laughs) Which is a whole different level of funny. It's, well, I bought a whole bunch of them at like Kmart for a dollar a piece and then spent an entire day uh, getting the Jesus labels off the candles because I couldn't stare at Jesus anymore. <laughs> no offense to anybody who does like to stare at Jesus, but not my thing. But, you know, being Jewish, it might well, be a little... Yeah. <laughs> it was a little awkward for me. <laughs> I mean, I was raised Catholic and that would still be awkward. Just staring at you like that. Dang. I so, can't do kink with so your face judgmental. right there. Judgmental Jesus. It was just not good. <laughs> Gotta love the pervertibles. <laughs> I mean, pervertibles are great, but being stared at, I mean, it doesn't even matter if it was any, it could have been any dude on mm-hmm. the picture. It doesn't matter if it's Jesus or not. Any person staring at me from a candle while I'm about to do kink <laughs> is a little disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. <laughs> do you do any in per like personal sessions just for you that are not paid i'll do stuff like with partners for example but right. nothing else really i'm not interested in currently performing or doing anything like that well, right I mean, now. personal like partner oh yeah like partners i'll i'll switch with them because typically i'm the submissive in the relationship so i will don my partners on occasion when they require it or feel the need to is there anything that you won't do in a personal session that you will do in a paid session or vice versa? Um, it depends how much I'm being paid, not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> Anything that's morally like I disagree with and I'm not gonna do with anyone, uh, just on my standards and how I feel afterwards. Um, I know that's something I don't want to do. R- partners wise, maybe the more extreme things. Because I have that trust, that buildup of communication, things like that. But yeah, it, it's entirely dependent on what it is I'm actually being asked for and what the purpose of it is. Well, for, is for some people, I'll also ask, like, what do you get out of this specific thing? Especially if it's more on the edgier side. Are your partners okay with the fact that you do this for a living? I should hope so. I mean, if not, they'd be hypocrites. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have uh do you do aftercare for your clients at all? Um so when I had discussed with other clients that had, had professional sessions, especially the ones in person, um typically they weren't provided with aftercare just because either A it wasn't a part of the in-person stuff they were given or they didn't choose to pay for the extra of it. I will typically ask for them to at the end of a scene and it's usually my closing line, right? Get up go make yourself a cup of tea, get dressed, come back. We're going to chat for 15 minutes. And it'll be minimum 15 minutes. We'll sit, have a talk, have a debrief. How are you feeling? Are you? Did you enjoy that? Anything you didn't like? Anything you did like? Anything you'd want to revisit again? These kind of things are just staple that I like to do at the end of it, but I know are not standard within the professional community that I'm aware of currently, but that could be incorrect. And that 15 minutes, is that included or is that that's the extra? That's more so for me okay. as well. Um, so I don't charge for that because I like to have that discussion afterwards as well. And it helps me avoid um, a severe drop as well. So it helps 
that connection with the client as well. I was going to ask about that. You know, do you tend to drop from these sessions? So at the beginning, because I wasn't as expensive as I am now, I would do sometimes up to six a day. That was a lot. And I would drop very heavily. I would go strong for about three weeks. I'd do really great. Just keep going, pump out content, you know, whatever. And then I would be very, very, very depressed for a week. Um, and that's not functional for me. And that was from doing things that maybe necessarily I didn't entirely enjoy as well, but was okay with doing and all that build up and that constant working and stuff like that and having that uh, persona being fronted so often. I think that would just drain me significantly. And dom drop for me is a lot harder sometimes than sub drop. Oh, so how many sessions would you say you do on average a day now? You said you started out doing something like six and you'd go for a long time. I'm guessing that dropped back. Yeah, I barely do sessions at the moment just because um, of my own mental health. I've taken a little bit of a break currently, but usually it'll be between like four to eight a month when I'm properly working because I only take on long-term subs now. So that's included within their monthly prices. Okay. How do you get yourself in the right frame of mind for session? I mean, I, I know there's been instances where I was scheduled to do a session with a friend at a at a party. Mm-hmm. And they come to me at the party and say, hey, I'm not in the right headspace today. Mm-hmm. Could we, re- you know, we can't do it. But this is different because this is a business and people are expecting you. Yeah. So if there's anything that's significant, um, either my side or their side, um, health problems, whatever, you know, mitigating circumstances, basically, that's fine. Um, for me to stay in the headspace of being a dom beforehand, because I live in a 24-7 dynamic where I am the submissive, it's very much a, hey, don't slap me in the face for the next hour. Thank you. Um, <laughs> because if I get that, we're, we're going to go to La La Land and that's that's not going to be productive for my business. Um, <laughs> dress up. Um, if I'm wearing the correct outfit and makeup and stuff, I typically push out a bigger persona. It depends really on what it is I'm doing as well and what is asked for me. If I'm hard doming, then it's a little bit more difficult to get into that headspace if it's not organically there already. But if it's soft dom, caregiver, kind of that kind of thing, that's usually where I'm very much at my best. So it's a lot easier just to get in there. I kind of see where where your point is there. Like I usually view my makeup as my armor. It's like war paint. Mm -hmm. It's exactly how I feel when I put on my, I have a very specific look that I go for when I'm putting on my Dom makeup um, versus like any other standard makeup. Okay. So what is Dom makeup versus like, I don't know, sub makeup? Um, so it's not a specific look for me. It's just how I put it on. And I typically will go for like a smoky eye um, with my like the darker stuff, the big bold lipstick, very much glamorous um, me. I'm the center of attention kind of thing. Like I am this godly looking thing, which is very egocentric now. I'm saying it out loud. Um, no, I like it. <laughs> but I enjoy that. Um, it makes me feel more confident and makes the, the personality almost ooze out of me better than um, feeling a little bit more like girly girl or like anything like that. But I have quite a f- like, because I have such a big range in what I can do as well. There's sometimes people want that kind of subby, innocent looking makeup 
before you do a scene with them as like or during the scene with them they want that innocent look and they want that looking sweet and cute or i've even been requested before to sit there in my joggers and my hoodie and not wear any makeup which was by the way the best kind of thing i could have ever been requested that was great <laughs> try not to work in my fucking joggers oh <laughs> Now, do you do collaborations with other creators? Um, I have done in the past. Uh, mostly I do it with my partners at the moment, with Ren uh, more so than my other partner. Uh, though we are planning on doing a lot more things together now that we're getting onto the same sites and stuff like that now. But I have done previous collaborations with people like A Chance of Cosplay, Cole Wolfwood. They would probably be the best known TikTokers. Cole is the one that I have, is my TikTok crush. Oh, yeah, I knew yeah. I recognized that yeah, name from fine. something. Yeah. She talks mm-hmm. about him a lot. I, I confess, he is my TikTok crush. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I walked into the kitchen and he was butt naked cooking for work. And I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> some some days it's good to be you, right? <laughs> oh, my God, it was incredible. We were like in a mansion for like a long weekend filming porn. Like, what's, what's not to love? Oh. Your mouth just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got I got nothing. Is that <laughs> for sale? I mean, like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> it's a I fun mean, job. It's a fun oh, job. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, it's exhausting. Don't get me wrong. Like, I was up to, like, 2 a.m. one night. Uh, couldn't sleep till, like, well, I got ready for bed at 2. I didn't sleep till, like, 4. And I was up for 9 o'clock the next day. And we had, like, a photographer in from 9 till 6. That was an intense day. But it was incredible. Yeah, I, I, I don't think people really truly understand that it is a job. Yeah. And sometimes your head might not be in the right space and it doesn't matter. You, you've you got the mm-hmm. photographer scheduled, the videographer scheduled, a partner scheduled. You've got to do what you've got mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. I mean, some days you wake up and you're really not in the headspace or something and you're like, oh, okay, I still have to do this. But it's not Take like it till you make it, right? Yeah, it's not in like a non-consensual way, and it's not in a way that would ever harm me mentally or anything like that. Because if that was the case, I would always put myself pro- like prioritized over that. But it's very much a oh, don't want to, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like I, I get this thought sometimes. We're like, yeah, I totally want to quit my job, and I want to do this, and it sounds amazing. And then I think about all the steps and all the things that you have to do, and all the mental stuff that goes into it. And I'm like, nah. Mm-hmm. And you'd have to do social media. Nah. That no, I'd pay you for that. would be a breaking that. point for you. So she has a secretary, you'd be my secretary. Is that what it is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously. I'm not going to do social media. Holy God. <laughs> it's a lot. And you let it slack? Like, pfft. no, especially TikTok. Oh, bane of my life. Love it. <laughs> That's Love the, it. I say that often. But you don't post for like three days and you become irrelevant. Like, that's where it's at. And it's so stressful. Like, and imagine that on all platforms that you have to post on, like four or five different places that I have. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of work and people don't realize the extent of what we do. It's definitely not this easy job, people call it. I got banned from a Reddit sub, from a subreddit. What did you do? What? (laughs) Okay. All I did was ask a question. And the owner of the subreddit, the mod, was like, hey, we're not here to give you research for your podcast, your band. And I was like, the fuck? It was an actual question. Wow. Yeah, Reddit's not a great place um, for anyone that's got anything related to their work in their bio or in their uh, any form of posting. Um, OnlyFans creators get banned left, right, and center. 
because we quote unquote water down the content. I'm like, bitch, you're getting Wait, my content what? for free. Yeah, apparently we bring down the content quality because we're over advertising. No, I post good content. You're just butthurt. I make money off of it. Right? Yeah. Thank you very much. I'm doing better than you jealous much. <laughs> Speaking of OnlyFans, I know there was recently a little panic mm-hmm. about OnlyFans maybe putting their foot down about what you could and couldn't do. Yeah. You know, are you prepared for something like that? How do you prepare for something like that? This is how you earn a living. Cry. Um, <laughs> I think I had like a bit of a breakdown for like the week or two afterwards. And I have OnlyFans, Loyal Fans, Pocket Stars, and many vids and a fansly um, accounts that I plan to be posting on when I'm back on track with my mental health again um, consistently and basically having multiple sources of income. I recently as well took on a professional bottoming scene as well, which I may end up working with again. So it's something that I will probably have to do. Not that I'm upset about it. Um, but it's definitely an unexpected change in career because of the effects of OnlyFans deciding to go. <laughs> no. Do you post the same content on all of those or do you have to make different content for each one? So there's some content that will go across all platforms. Um, collaborations with partners will not be on my OnlyFans because they don't use it anymore. So I don't have their accounts to tag. Um, that'll be across Pocket Stars and uh, Fansly. It'll all be dis- like described in there. My loyal fans, I aim to do the more quote-unquote extreme content because they allow you to do a little bit more on the sides of, like, for example, Impact Play. I did one video on OnlyFans. It got taken down of me self-spanking myself because I bruised. They uh, they took it down. Loyal fans is like, cool, if you're not bleeding, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, that leaves oh. Rara out. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, <laughs> She's gone. I don't bleed every time. No, just it's as just often your favorite. As I can, just as often as I can, but not every time. <laughs> so all of this other stuff, like, do you find that there's any kind of stigma surrounding what you do? Oh, absolutely. Um, it was just the other day my mom asked me, she was like, when are you going to get a normal job? I was like, I have a normal job. And she was like, one I can talk about in public, in jest, <laughs> which is funny. But um, it's true. She can't turn around and tell my grandparents, for example, hey your granddaughter's a bit of a hoe. <laughs> I think I think one of my aunts would probably be impressed if I turned around and told her I was a dominatrix. Um, but the rest of them, like, not really. So there's family stigma. Um, I'm polyamorous. There's dating stigma. People yep. don't want to date an online e-ho, um, which sucks. It's like... Online it's, e-ho? Yeah. I love it. I mean, I'm flexible. I'm like the most flexible because of my job. And it's so useful having like multiple partners and having that flexibility. Oh my God. But having that is is a massive bonus. But no, they don't like the idea of the fact that I'm out there online. And I respect that. I understand that. And then there's the lack of ability to like be seen as a stable income for like mortgages and stuff. It does affect you in like almost every aspect of life, really. So do you tell people, like, if you start talking to some cute person at the bar and they ask you what you do for a living, she's like, do you tell them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll turn around and tell them that I'm a dominatrix straight up. Like, I I find that one's the most shocking one. So if they can handle that, they can pretty much handle anything else I give them. And it's kind of a, I'm not ashamed and I'm not embarrassed about what I do. I love what I do. I love 
the opportunities it gives me in life. I'm very blessed to have what I have. So I'm very proud of it. Um, but if they can't deal with it, then bye. You're missing out on a cute, adorable thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any other questions, Tar? I think we covered almost everything and then some. I love it. There's some interesting stuff going on in this and one today. And now we know about e-horse. So, you know. <laughs> E-ho. E-ho. Sorry. I'm not saying it right. Yeah. You got to you gotta get with the lingo here, Rara. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Lingo's your thing. No, it's usually yours because you're the one that knows <laughs> no, all I'm this. No, I'm the hashtag person. Right. Yeah. If you don't put it in the form of a hashtag, I don't quite <laughs> <laughs> This is why she's the social media person and I'm not. <laughs> I'm a quote-unquote spicy accountant. I hashtag. Okay. What? I need to know where the accountant joke came from. Oh, God knows. Um, I when I, I only joined TikTok like a year and a bit ago. It was already very much embedded. The Swiss accountants and stuff like that were already there. So I don't know where it came from. I'm glad it exists. It's great. Well, as somebody whose father was an actual accountant, I find it really funny. Yeah, my mom was an accountant, too. I just, I don't get it. So I, I'm afraid, to, what does your dad do for a living? He's an accountant. I'm afraid to say that, you oh. know. <laughs> my mom was definitely not a spicy accountant. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> you know what you could do? You could you could be like for a Halloween TikTok episode thing. You could do like put the glasses on and have them down your nose and wear a tie and some negligee or something, but like spicy accountant. I love that. I was thinking more of a jalapeno with a clipboard, but that's way better. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You could do both. Uh, I could do both. Yeah. We'll do a, we'll do a transition video. Oh, I love it. All right. I need to watch that. Tell me when that one comes out. Cause I'm definitely going (laughs) to tune in. Well, Kat, thank you so much for talking to us today and answering our questions You're and for welcome. getting Dar all worked up over here with the accent. It's put her in a much better mood now. I mean, it's- how many times did I just like have my child hit the floor and just go, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure. And and we have to we have to do story time. Oh, yeah. 100%. And you do the caregiver kind of thing. So like I know plenty of littles that mm-hmm. will be all over that. Let's do it. I I would love that. I genuinely would. (laughs) Cool. We'll set that up. Thank you so much again. You're welcome. Well, we've been fortunate enough now to speak to a pro dom and a pro switch. So it seems only fair that we now talk to a pro sub. I think so. Yeah. Especially because you you didn't even realize that was a thing. I didn't know pro switching was a thing. Well, it makes sense. If you've got pro doming and and pro subbing, why wouldn't you have a pro well, switch? Yeah, but I didn't know there was pro switching and pro subbing. I thought only people pro or people only pro domed. It's very confusing for somebody who doesn't social media. I think I hung on pretty well. Well, and, and this is why we're bringing in a professional submissive because you're so not the only one who didn't realize that this was a thing. I know that's why this is so handy. Well, we are very lucky today to speak to the beautiful Caprica Thrace, who is a professional sub at Sanctuary LA Studios. Oh, another one from Sanctuary. I know. We've really got to make yes. a road trip to Sanctuary. God, yes. We, ha- we, ha- we could meet Caprica. We could meet Veronica. We could meet Sir Ezra. It's like so many people. We have to go. Okay, road trip. So, hi, Caprica. <laughs> Hi. Well, we actually talk now. Yeah, sorry. We do that too. That's why we always joke we need a we need a just waiting a podcast dom. No, you feel free to interrupt us because if we don't rah rah we'll steamroll you. Wait, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, because you're so uh doormat, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just let you do whatever you want all the time. Well, it is better for everybody. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> Can I quit? <laughs> All right, do you have any questions for us since we brought her on to actually talk to her? Oh, yeah. Okay. Really, we usually, we always start with the same question. How okay. long have you been involved in BDSM and how did you start? So I've been actually in the lifestyle for about 19 years now. I, I did actually, I was about 18 years old and um, I had a friend of mine who, it was a group of people that I hung out with and they would always go out to this club every weekend. And I was insanely curious about like where they would go because they were, they were dressed up. And I was always curious about, I'm like, where are you guys going every weekend? Like, you guys are dressed up and all in this, like, in this gear. And you're so, like, secretive hush-hush about it. Where are you going? So a really good friend of mine, one weekend, she was like, put this on. She dressed me up in a corset. She dressed me up in all this stuff. She's like, put this on. I'm taking you with us. And I'm like, okay, where where, where, where are we going? So it was, where, it was where, your version of Rara. She just dragged <laughs> you into it. Yeah, she was just yes. like, just yeah. put this she she put she dressed me up and she took me to this club and it was a club that after hours it turned into a BDSM club and all she did she she sat me in a corner and she gave me because I wasn't I wasn't 21 yet so I couldn't drink alcohol and so I was I was good I was a little good girl she gave me a little cranberry juice and she was like I want you to sit in this corner just watch at the end of the night if you have questions if you have anything like that we'll talk about it i'm like okay sure and i'm excited because i'm here with all my friends because they would literally disappear and i would not see them for hours and i'm like yay this is so exciting i get to see where everybody goes and holy shit they're chaining people to a wall <laughs> sounds like a good time and i'm like and i'm just sitting there with my juice and i'm like okay so this is happening and i'm just watching it and i'm like am i into this oh i like this I liked it. I, I, and just like by the end of the night, I was kind of shell shocked, but I was intrigued and I liked it. And my friend came up to me afterwards and she's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, I like it. She's like, do you want to know more? I'm like, yes. She's like, okay. And she actually ended up being my, she ended up being my mentor, my first, my first dominant. And she taught me how to be a submissive. She taught me everything that I know. Oh, I'm actually me. still, she's actually still one of my best friends. I'm still friends with her to this day. I talk to her almost every other day. She's always like, you know, um, her kids are my God kids. I've watched her children Aww. grow from little tiny little things to big things. And it's, yeah, like I've, I've known her for over 20 years now. And it was just really, really funny because she was just like, I knew there was something in there and you're just waiting to get out. And there it was. And so, <laughs> so you were, so, yeah. you were vanilla with sprinkles and, and she added more sprinkles and chocolate sauce. Pretty much. Yeah. I think it was because I was just so like, I was so scared and timid and didn't want to like, I, I didn't want to like explore that side. And she it was almost like she saw that part of me in there. And I was like, no, this, this needs to come out. We're, mm -hmm. we're going to, we're going we're gonna to pull this little part up. So. so it sounds like you started as a sub and remained a sub. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I, do have, I do have a little bit of switch tendencies in my lifestyle, but for the most part, I'm submissive. Interesting. Okay, because we, we've talked to a few people that have kind of started one way and then ended up another way or are currently exploring it. Or yeah, you a lot of a lot of people start as subs and then they learn how to dom and they go from there. And I find it interesting that you just sort of like you're like, Nope, this is my wheelhouse. I'm staying. I've, I've tried. I've, ex I've explored it. I've tried dominating. I've tried dominating men. Doesn't really work well for me. I've had nah, no, thank you. <laughs> How did you get from that 
to now doing it professionally. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a good story. story. <laughs> uh, I started going to sanctuary and I started doing all this other kind of stuff. And, and I became, I became friends with a lot of people who worked at sanctuary. I became friends with Queen Anna who works at sanctuary as well. I became friends with Veronica. I started taking a lot of classes through sanctuary and sanctuary became my home dungeon. I actually had to take a break from the kink lifestyle for a while because I had a partner who was very much vanilla and did not like me doing it. And so kind of forced me to stop doing it. And so when I came back in, I was like, you know what? I'm like, I've missed this. There's so much that I've missed out on. There's so much that I've, that I've just kind of been out of the loop for a while. I need to re-up my skills. I need to re-up everything. So I started taking classes through Sanctuary. I That became my home dungeon. That became the place that I was learning stuff at. And the more that I saw this and the more that I was getting into it, I was just like, you know, I have kind of been suppressing myself for so long. I wanted to embrace it and I realized how much I enjoyed it. The opportunity kind of presented itself because I ha- I had a vanilla job and I lost it, um, which is a very nice way of saying that I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, it was something that I actually thought of for about a year. I was like, you know, I'm like, I really thought of for a year. I was like, you know, it is I within the kink community and within sanctuary and within everything like that, it was the only place that I felt comfortable, that I felt truly like I could be myself. Like home. I didn't feel judged. Yeah, I didn't feel judged. I didn't feel like I could literally be myself and not feel like somebody was going to look at me weird because I would, you know, say things like, hey, there's a cross, strap me to it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I've said things like that. A joke like, yeah, like a joke like that was not going to get me a strange look or, you know, the fact that I call my partner daddy and people are going to look at me like, what's wrong with you? You know, yes. what I mean? like, stuff like that is not is not looked down upon or, you know, things that, you know, the fact that I'm like, choke me harder. There's a knife, <laughs> you know, like that's not looked down upon. In fact, it's like, I'm like, oh, you want to do that? Okay, cool. So choke me harder, daddy is a phrase that can be said. And you're like, oh, cool. Yeah. But it was just like, I, it was finding a group of people that were more like me and more accepting of me and just kind of wanting to be part of it and wanting to fully embrace, embrace that. So, and realizing that I could fully embrace that and by proxy make money at it. So do you do this full time now? Yes, I do. Okay. And you make a decent living out of it and all of that. It's, um, um, you can make a decent living out of it. It just, but there are, you do have, you do have times where you make a good living and then you do have times where you don't make anything at all. Right. Perfectly honest. It really just depends. So like right now, because it is kind of getting towards a slow season, people are more wanting to spend their money on holiday travel or Christmas presents or things like that. So when that comes up, you do kind of have to start looking for vanilla jobs to kind of offset offset the costs and things like that. But this is a full-time job. I work at Sanctuary six days a week. I usually take maybe one one day a week off to do like domestic stuff around my house because I am in a full 24-7 DS relationship with my partner. Him and I, I live together. Like I usually take like, I'll take like a day off to clean the house. Um, right now, like I am, I am searching for a part-time job to kind of supplement my income. But yeah, I work there six days a week. I'm there every day. I find that funny that a traditional job is your side hustle. Right. Like my, yeah, that's all that's my nine to five is the side yeah. hustle just to literally get me through until and plus because we also have a lot we have some dungeons in, in California that are unfortunately are deciding to close. So the we're I'm thinking that what's probably going to happen is, you know, a lot of people are wanting to possibly maybe go there with COVID and everything like that. It's also a whole new it's a whole new bag of rice. I mean, do you do the pro subbing just through sanctuary? Have you looked into doing 
online or personal jobs? So I offer phone sessions. So clients can actually contact me directly and do phone sessions through me directly. Um, They can also do video sessions with me directly. As far as like going out to people's houses and things like that, um, I don't do that. I just do it strictly through sanctuary. And that's mainly just for my own safety. Maybe down the line, I might consider it. But for right now, just for my own safety, my own security, any kind of work like that that involves face-to-face contact, I strictly do through Sanctuary. Because with there, I know that I'm in a place that if, God forbid, everything, anything goes wrong, I'm in a place that I know that I can have a safety net. Like I have, a, I have, I'm in a safe call area. And I can say like, you know, hey, this isn't going right. And if that person or that client doesn't respect that safe word, I know that there is somebody right outside the door that will come in and be like, nope, you need to go. All right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's as somebody who's brought people into my home to do sessions, it's nerve wracking. The extra vetting you really need to do when you invite them into your home yeah. versus meeting them in a secure well, location. That's why I have my own personal bouncer. Dog, right? No, Daddy J. Okay. The dog does nothing. She'll stand there and lick them. What do you think she's going to do? No, <laughs> she's useless. Yeah. I have a pit bull. She's completely useless when it comes to being a guard dog. Except for when the neighbors are outside, then she goes bananas. Yeah, well, and like, and me, because the fact that like, I very much want like to try to keep my personal life separate from my dungeon life. So that's another reason why I don't want to bring clients to my home. You know what I mean? Like I obviously as like, you know, Robert, as you know, like Caprica is not my real name. I don't use like, I don't use my real name. I don't, you know, I, I try to keep my private life as separate from my professional life as possible, not only for my own safety, but most of my family understands that I'm kinky, but only about two of my family members know that I do this for a living. Mm, Yeah. Like my dominant knows, obviously he knows where I work and he's completely fine with that. But I think bringing actual clients to our little two bedroom apartment might be a little bit too much for him to. Yeah. It's, it's pushing a boundary. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we've discovered talking to everybody is that this sort of falls under the category of sex worker, right? Mm-hmm. Even though no one's actually yeah. having outright sex, right? Um, it still falls into that mm-hmm. category. And there tends to be a stigma associated with people who are sex workers. So do you find that it it affects your ability? I mean, with, with, your, with your daddy, are you fully naked when you have these sessions? Are you partially dressed? I mean... Um, it honestly depends because I actually do offer that, but I would, tra- but I actually charge some extra. A lot of people who work in the dungeon, some of them don't offer full nudity. I will, but I will charge you extra for mm-hmm. it. But my daddy's okay with that because it's a thing of, it's a job. So like when I do content, if I have a client who wants to do a phone session and wants me to send them like photos of myself beforehand or whatever, he's okay with it because I'm getting paid for it. To him, it's okay because it's purely transactional. Okay. I'm not doing this because I'm trying to... Right. It's not an emotional connection. Yeah, like I'm not... I'm not emotionally connected to money. (laughs) (laughs) So because of the fact that this is a purely transactional thing, it doesn't have the same connotation to it for him. Like, I'll still talk to him about what goes on at work and everything like that. And he's still very much supportive of me. He's still very much supportive of, like, when I say, hey, I have a client today or, hey, this is what happened at work today. He's, like, always, like, that's great, princess. I really like that this happened and all that kind of stuff. If I have, like, a really, really heavy session and I come home and I need help to, like, aftercare if I need help because I've got, you know, marks and I need him to 
help me like put like any kind of my salves or like lotions on or anything like that. He helps me with that and he doesn't get mad at me about it. He helps me out and he gives me the snuggles that I need and gives me the aftercare that I need. So what kind of scenes would be typical for you? Impact is is a big one. Uh, We do like to have a lot that like to do bondage, but it really just depends. I like I kind of I always tell people it depends on what stirs your Cheerios. So, you know, you get people who want to do bondage, you get people who want to do impact, you get people who want to do role play, things like that. So, but for me personally, it's because the fact that I am a heavy player. So I do get a lot of, a lot of impact sessions. Do you have to spread those out over the course of time or can you do, you know, like a few a night? Oh, I can. Well, because I'm an hourly, I can do at least a couple of sessions a day. And within our normal hours are 11 to 6. As long as I'm still there by in that time, I can basically take as many sessions as I can within that amount of time. Do they have to make appointments or is it like walk-ins? So, but we do both. Like they can make appointments or they can walk in. How do you, how do you vet the walk-ins? Well, and that's one of the reasons why we kind of charge a little bit more is because with when it comes to doing this professionally, we're taking on a little bit of added risk. What'll usually happen is, is that when clients walk in, if they walk into like sanctuary and they say like, hey, you know, I'm looking to play with a submissive. What we'll do is we have actually a special room and we'll take them back and we'll interview them and we'll be like, you know, hey, you know, what is it that you're looking to do today? They'll be like, you know, hey, this is what I'm looking. I'm looking for this, 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 and this. If that's something that we offer and if the client is saying, you know, yes, you're the person that I want to play with, okay, we'll go ahead and we'll negotiate, be like, yes, you know, I can offer you this, 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 this is my rates, this is how long we're going to go for, you know, this is going to be my hard limits. If the client's okay with that, then go ahead and we agree to do the scene. They pay me and we go and we and we do the scene. If they're not really feeling me, which does happen sometimes, or if I'm saying, you know, you know what, what you're wanting to do, I'm not... I'm not okay with, then it, they can either try to go with one of the other girls in the house, or sometimes they come in and they just actually don't end up seeing with anybody because what they're wanting, we just can't, we can't offer them. It's something that's either outside of the scope of our safety measures, or there's nobody on staff that day that can offer what it is that they're looking for. What sort of reasons do people usually seek you out? Do you find you get some clients who want to just skill practice? Mostly it's, um, you know, I've had some clients who've come to me because it's things that they like doing that if they were, if they were to try to do it in their normal day to day lives, they would be shamed for. A lot of times people who come to, to see people in a professional setting, it's just because these are things that they enjoy doing. But unfortunately, society has told them you can't do that. That's wrong. Can you give us an example of one of those? Yeah, like littles, like, as you know, like a lot of people say, like, being little is, you know, is a, sh- is a shameful thing. So somebody might want to come in and want to do, you know, want to do an ABDL scene, which is something that I do offer, they may want to come in and do CNC. Because obviously, as you know, that's a big thing. And they may want to do they might want to do a rape play scene. And that's a big thing, too, especially for a lot of for a lot of males wanting to have that scene with somebody like if you go and you tell your girlfriend, hey, I want to pretend to rape you. You're going to get that look. Yeah, you're going to get that look. You're going to get that look of what the fuck is wrong uh-huh. with you. Whereas you can come to us, you know, and because we don't offer penetration. And I kind of want to make sure that's good. Like we don't do penetration play. So they're not having sex with us, but we can kind of mimic that. We can we can have the scene without actually having the actual sex. Right. So they can still be able to get that sensation and get that feeling and get that adrenaline rush and get, and get that urge uh-huh. out. That's the best way that I know how to put it. That's a great description. We gotcha. (laughs) Aggression? 
one, two. She's she's doing the punching <laughs> motions. That's <laughs> really the only way that I know how to describe it. I can't forget like that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we yeah. speak fluent in gesture. I've given you a few. Yeah. Hard. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because um, I had actually been approached and talked to a pro dom for a little bit. She was looking to bring in a pro submissive so that when she would get clients who wanted to, let's say, learn how to flog or learn how to use a single tail, mm-hmm. whatever, I I would be the bottom that they would learn on. I I have one of those as well. I, I use um I have one male and one female friend that I use for lessons in electro and I have them be the bottoms and they get a little something. So And I'm totally down for that too. Like I have no problem being and I tell people as well, like, you know, if you want to learn a skill set or if you need like if you want to have a skill set that you're not really all that sure of. Because I've actually I have had clients as well that have been like, you know, I'm brand new to this. I'm not really sure of what I'm kind of doing. I just kind of want to hone my skill set. I'm like, come on down. That's awesome. Just think of me as a canvas. Like like that one video that you saw with the guy, he's like what he's got the the little thing and he's like beating my rug. You know, but yeah, it's kind of the same concept, but not really. Yes, they they are. They're very fun. Good marks. I had one. I I got (laughs) hit once. Our friend Epic Level Rogue hit me one hit on the boobs with a a rug beater. And that bruise literally lasted three weeks. All I can think of right now is Zazu telling Mufasa to take Scar out and beat him like a rug. He'd make a very handsome pro rug. And just think, whenever he gets dirty, he'd take him out back and beat him. (laughs) I like her. This is my people. <laughs> I like you too. We, we, I don't know for listener people out there. We've just been quoting a lot of movies ever since she showed up. So we're we're wigging Rara out a bit. It's all right. I'm used. To, I'm used to it. I already showed my boobie. I'm the to- I'm the token non nerd in King. Yeah, it's okay. Rara, did you pierce the toast? <laughs> Dara knows where that's from. I can see yeah, the look on her face because okay. she knows where it's from. She'll tell me. She'll tell me later. Maybe or she'll just keep her. Maybe I'll just keep it a secret and randomly show it to you. <laughs> Would you like to ask a question now? No, I really want to just start like quoting movies and wigging you out. I just want to go doom 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 doom. Yeah, I'm removing what I'm thankful for. Uh huh. No, I see. That's the funny part because we know and you don't, and I'm enjoying the shit out of this right now. But see, here's the thing is that they don't know that we know. That, that you know that know I know that they know. <laughs> we know that we know. Yeah. And you're not allowed to say anything. Couldn't even if I wanted to. <laughs> okay. Should I just go get a drink and the two of you can have some time alone? <laughs> I just Speaking of drinking, now we have to drink. Because it's, it's a game. Oh, oh my God. Okay. I, can we serious Yeah. Face? Serious <clears throat> Okay. You mentioned earlier about you you sometimes will not have clients because they you don't have somebody there that will do this. What kinds of things are your limits for you? I guess you personally, I will not do this Me scene. Yeah. Um okay, so like tickling. I won't do tickling. There's a lot of like I tickling for me is a trauma response. Um my biological father used to sit on me and would tickle me until it physically hurt. He thought it was hilarious. I hated it. Like, so now anytime anybody tickles me, it immediately will shut me down. Like even my dominant, my dominant knows I hate being tickled. Like if you tickle me, I will either respond either one of two ways. I will either respond by throwing a punch or I will just get immediately get very, very small and just start hyperventilating. So I do not like being tickled. How often is that requested? A lot. Really? Yeah. Yeah. 
it's a big huh. thing and I hate being I I hate being tickled and I've tried getting over it. I think it. a lot more people have the tickling fetish than we realize. Huh. Mm-hmm. Because it, oddly enough, oddly enough it's like I think that one gets judged. Like you want to tickle people? What the how stupid is that? Tickling oh. people. I, the only one I really know about is the one we saw in Bonding where the guy wanted to be tickled. I've been to a foot party where a gentleman, that was his thing. He wanted to tickle your feet. And he was, he tried with me. I yeah. said to him, I'm not ticklish. He says, oh, I think I could do it. I said, it's your dime. And uh, he tried and I was right. <laughs> I'm not ticklish. Yeah. So tickling, I won't do. Obviously, like, you know, the general ones that most people won't do is obviously like, you know, like water sports or scat. Not, not my jam. Because I, I do enjoy degradation and humiliation and things like that. But I'm actually very specific of I will not do degradation by way of body shaming. I won't do fire play because I actually, I don't have a fear of fire. I just don't like fire. Like I, I don't even want, I don't even want to be cremated. I want to be buried. I want to have an option to come back as a zombie and eat people's brains. <laughs> I told my kids I want them to cremate me and put me in three separate necklaces and they have to wear me for the rest of the Oh, Jesus. So that I would haunt them forever. No. Because I want to be a zombie because I want, you know, that Jonathan Malone song that all, regarding your brains, the all we want to do is eat your brains. I do not know, know that I one. I'm, that. I don't. I'm sorry. I know I messed oh up. I'm God. sorry. I don't I don't get the reference this it's time. It's an amazing song. The only thing I can think of right now is because I just watched Hocus Pocus again because, you know, Halloween-ish. And all mm-hmm. I can think of is, oh, hi, Billy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got that one. Or when he's like turning on, he's like, oh, I got that one. And then he takes a knife. I do you know I finally watched Hocus Pocus for the first time last year. I've never seen it before. Oh my god. Simple Beauty showed it to you, didn't she? She made me watch yeah. it. Yeah. Good on her. You're ridiculous. I'm just old. I'm oh just old. God. She gets mad at me when I don't understand her references. Now this is why who the fuck doesn't know who Rock Hudson is? Look at the face. Yeah, but who is giving the face to? I know who Rock Hudson is. Okay, but I'm also one of those people, though, that I also have a love for all old movies. And so, like, like my literally my all-time favorite movie is Gone with the Wind. Like, I can <laughs> oh, quote that movie at you. Girl, I'm so sorry, but I'm going to have to say it. I hated that movie. I'm sorry. I know we're not friends anymore. I get it. But, like, I, I'm not shaming you for liking it. It's just not my jam. <laughs> we will discuss. That's, like... My all-time favorite movie, my all-time favorite book. I tell me for the fact that fucking Scarlett O'Hara is not the brat. She, oh, oh no, brat. agree, agreement. I, I'm gonna have to talk about this later, but I have an issue with that one scene where he throws her over his shoulder and then takes her upstairs and he basically rapes her, spousal rape, right? And then the next morning she's like, "Oh yeah, I was at a lovely time last night." She did not consent. I have an issue. I, I see this. It's gonna be okay. I, yeah. Okay. All right, that was like a whole different do direction. Juice, do you need a juice box? I might. I might need a sippy. There should be some alcohol <laughs> in it, though. Okay, you're up. My turn. Anyway, okay. So obviously, you are also, in addition to being professional submissive, you also are submissive in your day to day life. What are yes. What are some of the differences for you in how you like maybe the things that you will and will not do with your dom versus what you would and would not do in the professional setting? First of all, sex. <laughs> Avi. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, like, I won't have sex with my clients, but I will have sex with my dom. 
honorifics actually is a big one. I do have some clients that when you play with them and, and when you have sessions with them, like they want honorifics and that's perfectly fine and all that kind of stuff because, you know, the experience that they're paying for. But the one honorific that I will not use is daddy because of the fact that that is my dominance honorific. Yeah. Like that. I can absolutely see that. That is his honorific. Do you let them call you princess being that that's your, what your daddy calls you? Nope. Nope. I wouldn't either. Nope. And they never want to call me that anyways. Call me slave or slut or baby girl or whatever, which I'm totally okay with. Like, call me any derogatory name that you want because I'm probably going to be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the joke that, that my daddy and I kind of make is one of the reasons why this is the perfect job for me is because I go to work and if I have clients that day, I get all, you know, because I don't have sex with them, I get all hot and bothered with and my clients come home because, you know, they play with me. Exactly. And then I come home and I'm all hot and bothered and I'm like, daddy, please. Yeah. So my daddy has the same reasoning. Whenever I have a client, I come upstairs and I'm like, daddy. And he's like, yes, princess. Yeah. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. I just lectured the crap out of yes. some guy's balls. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. I come home. I'm like, I'm like, daddy, I got spanked today. And he's like, yes, you did princess. And I'm like, I got spanked today. And he's like, yes, you did princess. I'm like, I made money today. And he's like, yes, you did princess. And I'm like, daddy. <laughs> he's like, and he just kind of sits there and he's just like, get your ass. And I'm like, <laughs> You're like trying to tell him this made me very excited. Yeah. I, I, I get you. You were in little speak. Oh. And he was like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I I get it. Wait, wait, wait. Total sense. What age range is your little? Uh, probably about toddler age, probably about three okay. or four. Yeah, that's why I got it. <laughs> that's why she quotes Disney movies yeah. with me, and I don't. Yeah, I know because my middle's my middle's like fifteen, and she thinks you're a brat. I am a brat. I know. See, my middle's right as usual. Uh, no, she's not. <laughs> so actually, just another kind of takeoff on those. Do you drop from your professional sessions at all? No. Because I don't let myself go into subspace. And how do you prevent that? Because for me, the difference is when I'm in a session, I have the wherewithal of knowing it's kind of like being able to be within my mind of knowing that I am not in a, I'm, I'm kind of in a, in a professional mm -hmm. setting. I want the client to have a genuine experience. I do not want them to think like, oh, she's faking it or oh, she's whatever or anything like that. They want the clients to have genuine experiences and I want to genuinely enjoy it as well. But if I let myself be going into subspace, that puts me in an unsafe position and puts me in a dangerous position. But it's also not fair for the client as well because then that puts unfair responsibility on the client because they are not paying to have to basically care for me afterwards. Right. I have learned to essentially kind of stop myself so if I find myself kind of getting to that point where I feel like I might be getting to a subspacey kind of area, I've kind of learned to almost kind of click myself out of it, where like, I'll open up my eyes and I'll be like, okay, remember where you're at, look around and focus on okay, focus on the gingerbread man in the corner, or, you know, intensely focus on how the feeling of the next sensation that's happening, or something that's something that's happening that kind of brings you back into the moment. So that way you're still enjoying the session, but you're not letting yourself fall into that subspace area. And then when I do get home at that point in time, do I let myself have that chemical wave kind of fall there? Because then I'm in a safe spot to allow myself to do so. All right, great. Now, see, I'm trying to think like when I picture the pro dom, they're obviously in charge of the session, right? But right. as the pro submissive, 
how do you handle that? I mean, you're kind of in charge because you're the expert, the the person who's been hired, the employee of, of the dungeon. And yet, because you're the submissive, you're not supposed to be in charge. I mean, is there a struggle for that? Or does it just sort of happen okay naturally? Well, I'm, I'm in charge, but I'm not. So basically what happens is, is that once we begin the session and like, I am, I am submissive to the person. I am submissive to that, to that client. As soon as the notification that, that our, that our session has ended, at that point in time, we are back to being equals. And I say, okay, you know, our time is done. I'm still respectful to them. I'm still whatever. But at that point in time is when I would say to them, okay, you know, our time is up. It's time for us, you know, you got to get ready and I'm going to walk you out and everything like that. And that's one of also the reasons why I don't allow myself to go into subspace because I have to be able to have that wherewithal that if client either tries to extend past the time or if they try to push past the boundary or if they try to do something that they don't do, I need to be able to have that mental thing in me to be able to say, no, this is not what we're supposed to be able to do. Mm-hmm. You know, for lack of a better term, I need to be able to still have my wits about me. Yeah. Well, because if you're spacey, you don't. Right. And it's the difference between like, you know, like if I go to a play party, I have the safety net of a dungeon monitor there. There's, you know, somebody there as as a safety net. So if something does go wrong, I know that I have somebody there, you know, essentially watching out for me. But in this area, I have to make sure that I'm watching out for myself and for my client as well. Because I'm needing to make sure that it's not only just my safety that I'm ensuring, it's the safety of my client. It's the safety of my client. It's making sure that my client is having a good time because I'm wanting to make sure that not only are they enjoying themselves, but they're coming back. So how do you find these clients? Are you responsible for coming up with your own clients? Does Sanctuary help you out? Honestly, marketing. Uh, my Instagram, my Twitter, there's a couple other websites that I'm currently trying to get on to. I tried to start an OnlyFans and you know, it's really funny is because my driver's license, um, I'm in the process of trying to renew it. OnlyFans actually rejected my account. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. OnlyFans rejected my account because my driver's license is expiring soon. And so I'm actually waiting for my new, my new driver's license to come in. And then they said a secondary form of ID is required. I'm like, I don't have a secondary <laughs> form of ID. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, what? A, they're like, preferably a passport. I'm like, yeah, my passport is expired. And right now it takes like forever and a day to get it renewed. What is wrong? Like, That's frustrating. So like I have my business Instagram, which I'm actually on my second one right now because my first one got uh, deactivated. But I have a business Instagram. I have my Twitter. So Sanctuary actually has professional pro- profiles. So if you go on the Sanctuary website, there's actually a list under professional profiles and it shows all of the professional dominance and the professional subs and professional switches that work there. And you can click on our profiles and it shows like our pictures and it shows our stats. It shows like what we're willing to do, what we're not willing to do. Also, like has like our contact information on it and everything like that. It also has like the weekly schedules on it too. So you can see for that week, like when we're going to be in and available for walk-ins and also available if you want to like brainstorm working <laughs> for a second. Hi, ADD. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing just fine. <laughs> we're going to work today. No, we're not. We're going to have a sandwich. <laughs> um, hey, even ADD needs to be fed. Schedule. <laughs> yeah. So like if you want to if you want to see like when we're working if you want to like schedule schedule an appointment with this like it shows it shows that so for the most part yeah like we just kind of have to do marketing word of mouth mm-hmm. really quick was that an Eddie Izzard quote what the sandwich yeah I got yep. it <laughs> come on I, I've heard of Eddie of him, Eddie but, Izzard yeah but well I, she fully she now okay well before he went by he but now he has said she so now she got that I absolutely adore I Eddie Izzard love Eddie Izzard. The best freaking comedian. Back to stuff. Back to stuff. Is there anything else that you think listeners should know about professional subbing? I honestly think that professional subs, like, not very well known about. 
because like I just said before, like most people, when they think of professional side of it, they only think of professional doms. Like a lot of people, a lot of people, they think like, oh, it's like professionals. It's only professional doms. Like, no, pro subs. We're a thing. We're totally a thing. I definitely think it's it's good that we're getting more out there. And I think that there's a big stigma and not necessarily a stigma, but um, I think that's probably the wrong word. But I think there's also like, because with pro doms, like pro doms, you hear pro doms and that's, and you're okay with that. But for some reason, like with a lot of people, when they hear pro subs, they automatically lump us in as escorts. Because I can't even tell you how many times, especially like on my Instagram pages and stuff like that, people will DM me to try to get sessions and they automatically think that I'm an escort and I'm having to tell them like, I'm not an escort. I'm not an escort. Obviously, there's no hate to people who do that because, you know, that particular kind of line of work is a line of work that I'm like, you know what, if you can do that line of work, chef's kiss to you because I don't have the emotional strength for that. I don't have the mental, the emotional strength for being able to do that line of work. And if you can, I very much can. We are all sex workers. We all need to be able to support each other and everything like that. But just automatically lumping us in with that. And then when we tell you we're not escorts, we're not just automatically gonna, going to have sex with you. And then being like, well, you're fake because you're not going to do it. It's like, no, we're not fake. We are sex workers. This is what we do. But just assuming because the fact that we are submissive doesn't necessarily mean that we're immediately going to get into a session with you and start blowing you. Or we're going to let you fuck us with toys or, you know, do it all the other kind of stuff. It doesn't mean that you automatically get a happy ending. Exactly. Like there's so many people that like will come to me and be like well can i at least release and i'm like you can release all you want i'm not gonna be the one touching your shit this line of work like you said you know we are considered sex workers but it's it's a lot harder because it is that very very fine line and it is there is a stigma with it there's a big stigma about being a professional submissive i think and there's a big stigma about being a professional professional dominant and there's a big stigma about being a pro sub there's just a big stigma about being a sex worker in general sadly all right well thank you so much we appreciate you helping to teach dar about (laughs) (laughs) not just me (laughs) but you did a really good job thank you for teaching me Well, and I hope I didn't sound too stupid because I have a tendency to ramble. And so sometimes like in my head, it sounds great. In my head, I'm like, yeah, you sound so awesome. And then when it comes out of my mouth, people are like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, so I we, no I call that thinking in squiggles. They, they, there's, oh, oh my God. I love <laughs> sure, that. of course, take that? it. So like. Normal Thank people, you. they can do, think in relatively straight lines. Some people think in a circular fashion. I think in squiggles. And I don't know if that's an ADD yeah. thing or a little thing or just both. Or maybe a combination of the two. Or maybe I'm a genius. I am okay. Yeah, that's not the one I'm going well, with. And I'm, and I'm neurodivergent. Yeah, and I see I'm neurodivergent. So I think that's a neurodivergency thing. Like it's Well, that's like, something that has never been diagnosed in me. I'm just, I think in squiggles that I do know this. My conversations are so tangential that I can't, sometimes they never come back. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's when I pull you back into the straight. Who wants to do that? It's just people just enjoy listening to me try to do that with you. Oh, yeah. And then I go. Yeah, pretty much. So, but we will include in the show notes all the ways that people can find you. Okay, so that perfect. If people want to learn more about being a professional submissive or better yet, if they want to hire you for a session, they can reach out. Wonderful. That would be amazing. I would Great. really appreciate and that. Thank also, you. we so need to take a damn road trip to LA. Oh, yeah. Sanctuary. Here we go. Oh, my God. Yes, please. Do. And then you can throw us a pink please pink come, party please and everything will be us. pink. Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> See what I did there. She's just trying to butter me up now. Yeah. So, all right. Thank I know. you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're very welcome. 
Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. If you have a question you would like answered or just have a story about the lifestyle you want to share, you can send us a voicemail and maybe it'll be shared in a future episode. Just go to pinkkinkpodcast.com to contact us. Follow us on social media. On Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, we are Pink Kink Podcast. And on TikTok, we are The Pink Kink Podcast. Join our Facebook group, Pink Kink Podcast, and hang out with other pink kinksters. If you love what we do and are able to support us, we are on Patreon. Just look for us on patreon.com slash pinkkinkpodcast. And check out our Pink Kink swag available on our website, pinkkinkpodcast.com. Even if you can't show your support financially, there are other ways you can help. You can spread the word about our kinky podcast and tell your friends about us. You can also rate and review Pink Kink Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The five-star reviews really help us. And don't forget to subscribe to Pink Kink so you don't miss a minute of the fun. New episodes come out every Friday. So until next time, stay pretty, stay safe, and stay twisted.